Well, for those that uh, are wondering, my wife is not here with me today. I had a hard uh, day yesterday for her uh, at the conference up in uh, Divide Baptist Church, or at Divide Baptist Church up near Sulphur Springs. And uh, she uh, was nearly in tears this morning when uh, she finally decided that she just could not make it. So uh, I I feel like I'm half here <laughs> this morning, but uh, you pray for her if you will. And uh, also today we're missing some others, uh, Miss Brother Carl and Sister Tammy and, and uh, Brother Steve and Sister Marta and, and the kids and so... Uh, we just uh, miss everybody that isn't here, but uh, we are thankful uh, for to see Brother James and his dear wife with us uh, this morning, and uh, my wife is really going to be sorry that she couldn't make it uh, since uh, Brother James and they are, he was here today and his dear wife, so anyway, uh Pray that the Lord will bless our uh, messages. Message this morning. Uh, we're going to be talking about something I believe that nearly everybody is interested in, and that is immortality. Immortality. If you will turn to the second epistle of Paul to Timothy, and we'll be reading verses uh, uh, beginning at verse eight. Says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought to light and hath brought life, I'm, scared, I'm sorry, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Again, many people want to know, of course, the question is, well, what is the gospel? Well, Paul kind of answers it here, doesn't he? Uh, the gospel is that which Jesus Christ hath brought to light and immortality through the gospel. I want to, to concentrate then on this thing of immortality. Uh, we could uh, talk about uh, other things in particular in this uh, one verse of Scripture, of course, but immortality, uh, more than die, not dying, immortality. And I think most people, when they think of immortality, that's really what they're thinking about. Well, I just won't die. And after all, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to not die? 
And everybody that you asked will, uh, will, I think, would agree to that. They just don't want to die. And I'm afraid that that's what most people, as far as so-called Christianity, is interested in. They just don't want to die. But immortality and the gospel have to do with more than just not dying in fact, it's just the opposite of that. Immortality has to do with life. It's what he says here. He has brought life and immortality. Those two things are joined together, and you can't separate them. Life and immortality really are one and the same. So, the Apostle Paul is, is uh, teaching us something here that I believe that we really, really need to consider and know in ourselves. Now, uh, again, it's more than dying, and we look up a few verses of Scripture, if you will. 1 Corinthians, of course, in chapter 15 Verses 53 and 54, the apostle says, and again, I can get these pages to, to separate here. I'll do good. For this corruptible, verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall I put on incorruption, and this mortal shall I put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. When death is swallowed up in victory, it follows that life is present, right? So this is what we mean when we say that that immortality is more than just not dying uh, in Romans chapter 2 in verse 7 he says to them who by patient continuance in well doing seek for glory and honor and what else Immortality, right? Eternal life. Pretty well defines it right here then, doesn't it? Those, those that are through patient continuance in doing, in well doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness indignation and wrath tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile but glory honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile so here we have the contrast, life and death, right? And so the apostle brings this forth. Uh, 
Now, our Bible tells us, again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 56, that the sting of death is what? Sin. The sting of death is sin. You know what makes, it makes death so hard? It's sin. If it were not for sin, death would come easy. That's the reason why most people try to put sin completely out of their mind. They can't do it, but they try to. And that's the reason I believe that so many today preach and teach the idea that first, there's no hell. Secondly, that there's maybe no heaven. But if there is a heaven, then just about everybody is going there. They're trying to put all of this out. Of, and then back, I don't know, in, in my younger years, this thing came up that, uh, you know, well, God's dead. But God's not dead, is he? And consequently, again, it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. And so it, deep down in the hearts of men, they know that this judgment is coming, and they know that it's coming because of sin. But if st if the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, right? If it weren't for the law, death wouldn't be so bad, would it? But what is the law? Why? Why the? Why is the the strength of of uh, uh, sin the law? Because that's what judges, right? This is what judges, and man can't get away from it. It doesn't matter whether he is in church or not whether he believes in God, quote, unquote, or not, he has the law of God, according to the apostle in Romans chapter 2, he has the law of God in his heart, and his conscience is bearing him witness of it all the time. So that is the thing that makes this death so hard, so terrible. And it is. For every person that does not know Christ as his Savior, death is a terrible thing. And no wonder that people don't want to die. Now again, we could read many scriptures uh, that would uh, confirm this, but... Then we go on, if sin or the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law, then it also stands to reason then that righteousness is the strength of life and the joy of life is the fulfillment of the law. Now, some people are going to get a little... Uh, maybe answer you at that because of, you know, well, the law is dead. No, the law isn't dead. First of all, the law, again, judges every man, right? 
for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is the the uh, the evidence of the the strength of the law and the strength of sin in death. But the law is not dead. It also is, and I'm talking about now, the spirit of the law of God is the delight of the regenerated heart of man. Uh, In Romans chapter 8, we find the Apostle Paul telling us, first of all, that there is no condemnation, therefore, to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, he makes the statement there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ, but then he qualifies it by this. He says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And then he goes on, for the law of the Spirit of what? Of life. He's linking life and the law The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, why was the law unable to do anything for us? Because it's weak through the flesh. That which is of the earth is what? It's just earthy. What can it do? What can the natural man do? Nothing. What can he know? Nothing. But the Spirit of God in man can. It can. It can make us holy. In fact, that's the promise of God. Back over in Leviticus chapter uh, 17, verse 2, what does he say there? Be ye holy, ye shall be holy, in fact. Why? Because I, the Lord thy God, am holy. Now, Peter repeats that, doesn't he? He, he says again, for ye shall be holy. That's the commandment of God, but it's also the promise of God. The whole idea of the salvation of God in Christ Jesus is to make us live. We were what in trespasses and sins? We were dead. There was no life about us simply because of sin. God has condemned sin, and we're going to go on and read that here in verse 3 again. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh But there was a reason for this. And he says 
that reason was that the righteousness of what? Of the law. The righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us again who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. Now here's a contrast again. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Again, let me say it. I'm going to say it several times before this is over. But the whole purpose of salvation is life. It is to live. It is to live in and through and to Christ. As the Apostle Paul says in uh, Galatians, uh, no, not Galatians, uh, Philippians chapter 2, right? Verse 21, for me to live is what? It's Christ. That's the only thing that we, that God's people really live for is Christ. There are other mundane things throughout our lives that God has commanded us to do. For instance, to work. And, uh, that's a command of God. And so we, we work and we wait upon God and we do other things that, that, uh, have to do with everyday life. Uh, we hope for the rain, don't we? We pray for the rain, in fact. And uh, st- people still praying for the rain today. Even though we've had some, we need some more, don't we? Uh, it's, one, it's an amazing thing how uh, we, we just, we can't get enough of, of some things, but uh, sometimes uh, the things of God, we, we don't, we don't, Pant after the, like David did after the, the, uh, the brook. So, but here's the thing. It's, it's life. And so he goes on in Romans chapter eight and he says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God but sometimes those buts are wonderful aren't they but ye are not in the flesh but in the spirit if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you now if any man have not the spirit of Christ he is none of his but if he has the spirit of Christ he is Christ, and the good thing is that he always will be. How blessed are we to, in, this, uh, in this congregation and others like it that God has revealed himself to us the way that he has in Christ Jesus, uh, the hope of glory, right? He is the hope of glory. So... 
what are the effects of righteousness? This is the whole key to the to life is righteousness. You want to live, live righteously. Now, uh, whether a person believes in God or not, whether a person uh, is saved or not, uh, he, he has a joy in doing right. There is a peace in doing something that is right. Right? Even, a, even the, the smallest of children experience this all the time. When they obey their parents, they have peace. When they disobey their parents, then what? There's no peace there. They know that there is a certain looking for, if you will, a punishment that is coming. And so that, again, it just proves that God is, right? That what He has said is true but here with we see the effects of righteousness are peace it's joy and we're going to read some scriptures i'm just kind of paraphrasing this right now but it, it is peace it's joy it, it's it's satisfaction it's contentment all of these things it's godliness with contentment, right? It's great gain. <laughs> Godliness. It's all, it's great gain. It is our life. Well, go, go with me to the book of Acts. In chapter 2, we'll start there. I want to read a few of these scriptures. In verse 24... It says, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Who is he talking about? He's talking about Christ. And what is he talking about? He's talking about his crucifixion. And he's talking about his resurrection and the fact that Christ could not be held in that grave. It was not possible that Christ could be held in that grave. Now, this is a, a, a mystery. Uh, Brother Rick, this is one of the mysteries of the gospel. Is how that Christ could lay his life down. Right? And then he take it up again. That's that's a great mystery. But he did. And we know that he did. How do we know? Brother James, how do we know he that he rose from the dead? Said, well, we read it in the Bible, right? No, it takes more than that. It takes the Spirit of God convincing us that Jesus rose from the dead but how does the spirit convince us he convinces us by the righteousness of God 
living in us. That's what's wrong with so much of the, the, the so-called preaching, and we talked about this thing of preaching earlier, but that's what's wrong with so much of it today is that there's no life in that gospel so-called that they're preaching. But in Christ, there is life. That's why the apostle says, again, over in First Corinthians chapter 15, if Christ be not risen from the dead, we of all men are what? Most miserable. Why would, why would we be most miserable? Because we've given up all things for Christ and that life that is in him. But he has risen from the dead, right? He has risen from the dead. And so the reason that Christ could not be held in that grave was because he was righteous. You know why you're going to be raised from the dead? It's because that God has made you righteous in Christ Jesus. Now I say that when I'm talking about being raised from the dead, I'm talking about not just raised from the dead as far as the body is concerned, but I'm talking about raised from the dead as far as your spirit is concerned. You were raised from the dead. When, when God in Christ Jesus made you righteous in him, you were raised from the dead. And you will be raised from the dead, as it were, again. Yes, your body shall, will be raised. We've already read, well, this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal then must put on immortality. But we have to be lose that corruption first, and then comes the immortality. Um, Romans chapter 1 there's a very important verse there verse 4 it says and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. There is a declaration made in the resurrection of Christ that he was holy. There's a spirit of holiness. And he was raised in power. And it just, it amazes me. I, I, I love to think about the power that it took to raise Jesus, or for Jesus to raise himself from the dead. I can't explain it, but I sure do like to think about it. Because I don't believe that there is any more uh, or any greater power than what it took to raise 
Christ from the dead, or for Christ, as it were, to raise himself from the dead. But it just speaks to me about the great wonders of the power of righteousness. Now, let me say something here. I know that we talk about positional righteousness. What do we mean when we talk about positional righteousness? We're, we're always talking about, you know, that in Christ we're righteous. And I'm not denying that. It is by Christ, it is in Christ that we have righteousness. I don't have any of my own, right? You don't have any of your own righteousness. If you have righteousness, it is from Christ. But dearly beloved, there is also a, an actual practical righteousness that is in us because of the Holy Ghost that abides within us. The Holy Ghost abiding within us cannot be unrighteous. And this, after all, is what we were saved again for. We were saved unto what? Good works. Which God foreordained that we should walk in them. That's righteousness, people. It's a bad mistake for someone to believe that, yes, Christ was righteous, and just because Christ was righteous, then I'm righteous no matter what else I do or don't do. Now, I try to put it this way sometimes, that Christ died for his people vicariously. What does that mean? He died for his people as a substitute, right? He did that. He hung on that cross all by himself. You notice again that all men forsook him. All the disciples, they forsook him. He died there by himself. And he died for the sins of his people. Again, it boggles my mind to think about the, the millions of people that Christ did bear the sins of. And the millions and millions of sins that he died for. So yes, he did die vicariously. And in that our, comes forth our righteousness. But dearly beloved, he does not live for us vicariously. We must and will walk in the ways of the Lord and in the spirit of holiness we will keep 
the righteousness of that law. That law's not dead. It lives in God's people. Isaiah chapter 32 in verse 17 is a very, very, to me, and I believe it is, will be to you, maybe already, that you know it and re- rejoice in it. But I believe that every child of God ought to rejoice. Uh, Isaiah chapter 32, it says in verse 17, And the work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance. That's life. That is life. Peace. Peace with God. Sometimes people are more interested in peace in the world. We're all concerned about what's going over going on over there in Israel. And rightfully so. But folks doesn't matter about the wars and the rumors of wars. It doesn't matter about the earthquakes and the pestilences and the famines and all of those, the the turmoil and the chaos that's going on in the world. What really matters is peace with God. In fact, you, 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 if you don't know this, you, you need to know it. That Christ said, I came not to bring peace, but what? Come to bring a sword? And if you're a child of God, you you know this by experience. There there is no peace in this world. Now, Jesus also said, my peace I give unto you, right? But he said, not as the world give give I unto thee. There is no peace in this world. There's not going to be any peace in this world. In fact, again, the Apostle Paul says when they say peace and safety, something bad's going to happen. When they shall say peace and safety, then shall travail uh, or or, uh, sorrow come upon them as travail upon a woman with child. There's not going to be, regardless, uh, again, of, of what politics there are there's never going to be peace in the world Uh, I I sometimes get a little bit amused 
in, in Christmas time, you see all of these uh, post uh, Christmas cards that go out and they're saying, Peace on earth, goodwill to men. That's not what the Bible says. Now, the Bible does say, On earth, peace. Now, all this was said at the birth of Christ. And when he said, on earth, peace, it's talking about Christ. There is our peace in him. And it's because of righteousness. Once again... Uh, how, how many how many of us uh, have any peace in sin? No, you you can't have peace in sin. Why? Because God has condemned sin, and He cannot tolerate sin. And so we have repentance, don't we? we don't we repent from, from sin? Why do you repent from sin? Well, because it's the right thing to do, first of all. But secondly, it brings peace. Now, again, we could read scripture after scripture in uh, conjunction with these things, but uh, again, the essence of salvation is to live as opposed to death. In John... Chapter 1, in verse 4, it says, In him, and he's speaking here of Christ, of course, in him was what? Life. Uh, in fact, he says in John 14, verse 6, I am what? the way the truth and the life and no man cometh unto me except by I mean to the father except by me he is the way the truth and the life and we've already talked about Philippians 1.21 but I, I love to say it again uh, for me to live is Christ. There is no other reason for a child of God to live except to live to Christ. Does that make you happy? Is that your blessing? Is that where your, your, your joy is?
we need for God to strengthen these things in us and take our hearts and minds off of carnal things and stay them upon spiritual things. Again, life is in Christ. God is life. And so whatever is of God is life. And whatever is not of God is death. There's only two things. There's life and death. That's all. And everyone is going to find themselves before God in Christ Jesus in either one of those two things. Now, uh, the, again, the essence of salvation is to live as opposed to death. In John 10, In verse 10, our Savior says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. But then he makes this amazing statement. I am come that they might have life. But he doesn't stop there, does he? that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Have you ever wondered what that abundant life is? Well, you know, I'm again, I, I, I'm afraid that for most people, when they're thinking about an abundant life, they're thinking, first of all, about having plenty of money. They want to be rich. When the apostle tells us again that they that would be rich, they bring upon themselves perdition. And again, it's not, it's not that they, they, they are rich, it's they that want to be rich. You'll find this over in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, I, I, I've preached this quite a number of times in the Philippines because those people, they're, they're so poor and, and they, they think about, you know, they, they, especially they watch America. In fact, I think all the world watches America and they, and, and they, they envy America. And if America knew the judgment of God, if they really understood the judgment of God that's falling upon them right this minute, they'd be doing like Nineveh did 
they would be getting in sackcloth and ashes and repenting before the Lord. But they're not doing that. But reason again I say this is that I preach this to the Filipinos because I, I want to fo- get their minds focused where it should be focused. But I preach it here for the same reason. To get our minds focused on what we should be focused on. Turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 12. The writer of Hebrews says in verse 25, it says, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. He's talking about Christ. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things which are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Now, I believe that that this shaking is in process right now, but it's going to get a lot worse yet before this thing is over. And we read in the Bible how that the, the moon is going to turn to, to blood and the, and the sun is not going to shine and, and there's, uh, there's going to be the stars are going to fall from heaven. And, you know, we try to figure out well, what all of this means. Well, I think here's an answer to it right here. Uh, it, it simply means that, that the entire universe is going to be shaken by God and everything except those things that pertain to God are going to be taken away. And what is that for? It's to prove who is God's true people and who is not. There's going to be this great shaking, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. You see, again, the only, the, the only thing that has any virtue in it is the worship of our Lord. Yes, one day, this corruption is going to put on incorruption, and this mortal is going to put on immortality. That the saying, 
death is swallowed up in victory, that saying is going to be fulfilled. But folks, it, it's only it's only those who have been born of the Spirit of God in Christ Jesus that walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit in fulfilling the righteousness of the law that are going to be able to stand before God in peace. May God help us then. Now is the time. Right? Today? When is the day of salvation? Today is the day of salvation. Harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation when they tried God and proved him for how long? 40 years, right? In that wilderness. You see, we need to begin today to seek the fullness of the power of God in our lives to give us the joy of our salvation. After all, the joy of salvation is what? According to Nehemiah, it's our strength. Revive us again. Right? Why? And this is in Psalm 85, verse 6. The psalmist said, Revive us again. Why? That we may praise thee. That we may praise thee. I have joined, my wife has joined Grace Community Primitive Baptist Church because we think we see this desire, a desire to serve God, to love God. And again, who said that the, the commandments were dead. The law. Isn't thou shalt love the Lord thy God. With all thy heart and mind and soul. Isn't that the law. But it is our hope. That we will grow. With the entire church. Thank you, Brother Rick, for your prayers. I love, again, the way you end them. 
about forgiving one another. How precious is that? And how necessary it is. But you see, we don't just forgive one another. It says, forgive one another as Christ. God hath for Christ's sake forgiven you. And how is that? If we repent. But it's so precious for us to live together as one body. And here's Brother James and his dear wife with us today. You know, today, they're just as much a part of this body as anybody else. And indeed, what is the difference between any of us, whether here or in foreign countries? There's no difference. And how wonderful it's going to be when we all get together in one congregation and sing the praises of our Savior. To live, because to live is ultimately to worship the Lord our God. Brother Russell. Thank you. 